need a pep talk? Come hang with us weekly while we serve up realness with a side of sass and help you learn to love yourself in every shape, size, and season. I'm Becca. And I'm AMQ. And this is I Got You, Boo. Hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) Oh, hi. It's really sunny here. Is it sunny where you are, Becca? I'm not going to ask. Yes. I'm going to ask. Hashtag same weather system. So, yes. Yep. I literally got up this morning and was like, it's obviously sunny because of the guests that we're going to have on the pod today. She's just like putting sunshine into our life in more than one way. But today I woke up, I was like, yes, sun. Yes. Cali vibes. So AMQ on a scale from one to a hundy in the undie. How hype are you for this episode? Oh, so hype. Like there's no, I woke up, you know, like you're a kid and you lose a tooth. Like, you know, the tooth fairy is coming and you like, don't go to sleep because you're waiting. You you, like kind of know that it's your parents, but you like (laughs) want it to actually be a tooth fairy, you know? So you sleep with one eye open. That was me last night. We're going to put a disclaimer in the show notes that anybody with kids don't listen to this episode in the car with them. <laughs> yeah, I have multiple, I have multiple hundies in all of my undies in excitement all for of today. All of my, you hit them in your underwear drawer. <laughs> all right, AMQ, you have, the suspense has gone on long enough. We tell that we keep saying on our Instagram page that we're going to let people like our boo crew know who our guest is, and then they vote, and they're like, yes, tell us. And then we just forget, and we never end up telling them. <laughs> to be honest, I just don't want to. Like, I, <laughs> I just Savage. not to. Well, because it's like, it's like people are going to be excited, and obviously, you know, it, it's, it never comes as a surprise when we have guests on the pod, because the humans in our orbit have already seen all of the humans that we support on the pod, right? It, yeah. It's not... It's not far reaching, but um, yes. So we are excited to have Carly Compton, also known as Paradise Fitness with Carly on Instagram. I used to think my Instagram name was long until I met you. (laughs) I think I hit the max capacity for characters. Yeah. I was like, wow. uh, Yeah. Okay. What's your name? At Paradise. (laughs) (laughs) But at least it's something everyone knows how to spell. At least they're all words people can spell and they're not like hard, weird spelling of things. You know how some people's are like they had to change the spelling because that was already taken. So I'm thankful that wasn't the case. And there's no like weird underscores. Yeah. People, people like, are like, I tried to find you on Instagram. I was looking Quarantino. I'm like, that's not my name. <laughs> I literally called you Quarantino for the first three months of our friendship, to be honest with you, because I just kept genuinely messing it up. <laughs> Close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. why you're not finding me, though. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if my name was Quarantino. There could be so much done with that. Like, I imagine. Oh, oh my gosh. Goodness gracious. Anyways, yeah. we're happy to have you. I'm so excited. Yes. So we are going to introduce you with a would you rather. It's kind of like an initiation into the episode for ourselves when we do it with this when it's just AMQ and I. So for today, we're going to make it weird. And I'm going to say, would you rather be licked all over by a stranger or tickled all over by a stranger? <laughs> like walking up on the street. Well, I'll say like in the world we're in right now with COVID, I'm going to go with tickle. <laughs> Because I am not okay. risking that shit. 
That's very true. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Tickle. But if we were in a different world, I might go with Lick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have such a vision of body shots when people say the word, like, Lick. Yeah. I don't know why that happened. Wait. I don't know why that no. happened. Huh. Weird. Do you associate body shots with being negative? <laughs> no, like licking. Oh, okay. Licking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would no, say if we weren't in COVID, I would probably choose licking, but that's just more fun. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So AMQ, are you going with body shots on this one? <laughs> yeah. I would like to go with option C, body shots. <laughs> Final answer. Because tickle, I can't do it, man. I cannot do it. I had this uncle. I mean, I still have the uncle, but <laughs> my uncle. Why is there a story for this that has to start with an uncle is more concerning? Because <laughs> he, he would come to my house when I was a kid, and the first thing he would do is he'd pick me up. I've always been a small human, you know, in stature, and he would pick me up, and he would tickle me. Like, it, it, I'm very ticklish. I can't do the tickles. I'd say, it, yeah, I am too. I'm so ticklish, it becomes painful, you know? Yeah. I'm not that ticklish, which I think it would be pretty doable for me. It's like my feet that are mm. ticklish. Pedicure. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I almost, I have to fight the urge to not ninja kick the woman doing my pedicure, the sweet baby angel who I scrubs know. my feet. And it's and it's just like, they can see I'm like white knuckle gripping on the pedicure chair. I'm just like, just don't do it back. Like I'm, your reflexes are just fighting every every minute of it. How this. many times do you think they've gotten kicked in the face though? Poor things. Like I'm sure it's something I don't mopped up. Really? I feel like for sure. For sure. Would you rather kick your... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, there's been times when like your reflexes just take over and you're just, you can't, your foot just flings. Yeah. Right. Whether it's in the face or you kick them like in the chest or... Well, I don't know. Yeah, poor things though. That's so sad. Carly's <laughs> definitely done it. That's that's what we're getting from this. Like it's a hundred percent. I avoid pedicures, and you don't want to see my feet because of that. <laughs> see, <laughs> because so I have funny. a fear of being charged with like abuse for kicking my pedicure lady. Oh my gosh! We mentioned in a prior episode about my hoof toes. They're disgusting. I, I still don't like that you call that you call them that. It's not nice. You need to talk nice. You know about what? I still toes. haven't shown you. I still haven't shown you pictures, though. It's yes, okay. I speak nicely about my. <laughs> it's okay. I have but two bunions on the side of my toe feet. Bunions sounds a lot worse than it is. They're not that bad. They're just little bumps. Yeah. Yeah, they're bumps. They're bumps. At least you don't have hooves. But my doctor calls them bunions. So. Oh my! I feel like they could have picked a nicer word for that. Yeah. Yeah. They went really hard in the paint. It doesn't sound nice. I wonder what it is in different languages. Anyways. Google it. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's get into it. Now that we know that you prefer. Yeah. Speaking of licking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's just get started with who you are. Who is Carly Compton? Tell us a little bit more about you, boo. Yes. So where do I even begin? So Carly Compton, she is, I am a business owner. So I'm the founder of Paradise Fitness with Carly, um, which is a pretty much a, a program that um, works with women, specifically women, to heal their relationship with food, exercise, and their bodies. So um, when I first launched Paradise Fitness with Carly at Home Transformation, um, we had some workouts and ways to kind of just help people feel like they could still move their bodies, but in a way that was healthy. 
while I still offer those, most of Paradise Fitness with Carly now is my workshops and my one-on-one mentoring. So I have that. I am also a master's of social work student. So I'm getting my master's right now, graduating next year to then become a licensed clinical social worker in hopes that I can start my own private practice in the eating disorder recovery field. I'm a beach lover. I love the beach. I will never live anywhere away from the beach. (laughs) I am obsessed with it. I have a podcast, the PFWC podcast, and then I'm also a content creator. Most of my work is done on Instagram, TikTok, and all of those fun places. So that, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm an eating disorder survivor. I battled an eating disorder for about five years, um, which is kind of how I got where I am today through my recovery. That's a huge part of who I am and why I do what I do. And I'm just very passionate about helping women, and not just women, men, change their view on movement and change their view on food and really learn how to step into their bodies and just feel more confident overall, giving up that comparison and giving up that idea that they have to meet these unrealistic beauty standards and just really learning how to yeah, see themselves in a positive light. All such beautiful, intentional, and powerful work that is needed in this world for sure. Mm-hmm. It's what connected us to you, quite frankly. For me specifically, um, I connect with you a lot on the eating disorder recovery front, and I connect with you a lot on finding the joy in movement and, and kind of giving giving up the taking yourself so seriously thing, you know, like taking fitness so seriously and and just all the weight for lack of a better term, you know, no pun intended, the weight that we put on, on that, like, you know, when you finally get to a point where you can release that it's beautiful. So I know that that's, what's connected us and, and we appreciate everything you do. You mentioned this already, but grad school, your fitness biz, sharing your journey so openly, lots is going on in your world. So we want to know, how are you right now, really? Uh, thanks for asking. I was telling my partner, I was like, I feel like I don't ask myself this enough, <laughs> but also I feel like I don't get asked it enough. So I really appreciate you asking this. I think it's, yeah, it's, there's oftentimes that pressure of like people who are in the, who are, you know, on social media, who are spreading these messages we're providing that support. And sometimes I think we forget to ask, how are they doing? So thank you for that. That means a lot to me. I am good. (laughs) I am overwhelmed. I'm very stressed. Grad school as summer is in like two and a half, three weeks. So the next three weeks is, you know, finals and getting shit done. And on top of that, my May workshop starts back up. (laughs) So there's a lot, there's a lot happening in the next couple of weeks. You know, I'm thankful for my health and I'm thankful to, you know, be here and to be able to do what I do, but definitely overwhelmed, definitely stressed, but learning how to handle it all. I'm definitely learning how to handle it all. So I have a great support system. I have a great support system and I'm just, yeah, again, thankful to be able to do what I do and to have the space to do what I do. My community is amazing. I feel like I always get really beautiful messages from people that really just keeps me going. So yeah, I would say I'm good. I'm not, I'm not great, but I'm not bad. I'm just good (laughs) right now. 
keeping the status quo. Those last few weeks of grad school are always, I almost feel like they're more stressful than undergrad. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. There's more on the line. You've, there's more that's expected of you from a professional standpoint. So I can totally feel you on that. Yes. Um, but we're glad you're doing well. Of yes. Course. Well, Miss Thang, I got to tell you that you were on my dream list of guests when we were first creating this this podcast. I told AMQ, I almost, like I screamed in my classroom. I'm an elementary school teacher. <laughs> and when she told me that you were coming on, I was like, I almost, I almost swore in front of 10 year olds. Probably wouldn't have been the first time they heard it, but I was no. so excited. Wait, I have to <laughs> tell you something because my, I actually um, was supposed to be an elementary school teacher. That's what my undergrad is in is elementary education. So I know exactly that feeling of trying to keep in your swear words around <laughs> 10 year olds. It's, it's gotten even harder because on Zoom and virtual teaching, I can just mute myself and let them all know how I feel. Yeah. I don't have that anymore that we're back in person. So I'm like, oh, I really got to check myself. Yeah. But back to you. You create incredible content surrounded around normalizing normal bodies. Can you please um, tell us what prompted that? Yeah, I think a lot of it was um, mostly just growing up and never seeing anyone that looked like me represented on television, in magazines, on social media. I definitely think that played a huge and still does for a lot of people, plays a huge role in the development of um, eating disorders, body dysmorphia and any of that like lack of self-esteem is that lack of, lack of representation. And as I got older, I started to realize like I had a very like quote unquote normal body and I still wasn't seeing that represented. I'm very privileged. I, you know, have a, a mid-sized girl and I still was like, why am I not seeing what is like the average size represented anywhere? And so when I got into modeling, which I forgot to mention that at the beginning, I'm a signed model in LA. Um, so I do model as well. When I got into modeling, I told, remember telling my agent, I said, the only thing I want to do here is I want to be able to represent those girls who never saw themselves represented. I want to be able to work with brands who wouldn't have usually worked with girls who weren't your typical meeting your typical beauty standard. I would say, you know, growing up and not seeing that played a huge role in me wanting to show younger people and older people that all of our bodies are beautiful and that, you know, we don't have to meet this unrealistic beauty standard. And for a lot of us, that unrealistic beauty standard is not attainable. It's, it's just not possible. No matter what you do, no matter, you know, how much you work out, how little you eat, you're just, for some of us, we're never going to get there. I think getting into the modeling world, being able to work with brands like Adidas and Apple and representing like that athletic body, quote unquote, athletic body in a way that wasn't typically what was represented as an athletic body was huge and very, very powerful in allowing me to kind of be like, I can do this. Like I can show people that you can be in a larger body. You can be in what people don't envision a quote unquote athletic body and still be very healthy and fit and all of these things. And so I'm very thankful for Adidas and for being able to do that and to, and to put that message out there. And thankfully more brands are doing that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think just growing up and not seeing myself represented, I was an athlete my entire life. And I remember always doubting my athleticism because I didn't look like what athletes were portrayed as what we should look like. 
I'm like, I don't want anyone to feel that way. I don't don't want anyone to question their abilities because of the size of their body. So that's where a lot of that came from. Yeah. And you do such a good job at at doing that. And it comes, you know, I think that when Becca and I talk about this a lot, when you, when you put yourself in the ring, right, when you start being vulnerable and you start sharing your story that nobody knew was your story until you talked about it and the, the cute, whatever, the cutiness of all the things that you do on social media, all of a sudden they, they develop new layers because it almost legitimizes, I don't know how to explain this really, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm happy most days, but when I'm not, you know, and guess what? I appreciate the happy days and the, the high vibing days because I go through those lows and you do such a great job of that, of showing humans that there's literally waves that you're riding and it, it can't always be, like you said, we, we want to ask you how you're doing because you can't always be good, right? And, and you can't always be delivering content for other people to feel good because sometimes it, it takes everything in you to do that. And then you're like, now I just, now I don't feel good, <laughs> you know? We've been monitoring this, uh, this situation closely <laughs> on your social media, but I know <laughs> that's that, the most uh, polite way of saying we've been creeping on this shit for a real, for a while now. <laughs> right? <laughs> we are now monitoring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, I've been waiting for takeoff here. So TikTok <laughs> has ticked you off lately. And yes, I'm very proud of the TikTok ticking you off. I knew you were hilarious. You're doing great, sweetie. I find myself very funny. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just say not only TikTok, also Instagram. We'll talk about that. I know. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what you've been experiencing? Because people need to know. Yeah. So where to begin? Um, you know, I think at the v- the very beginning stages of TikTok, we were seeing some of these the censor censorship happening. We saw it with uh, black creators. We saw it with you know um, creators who with disabilities. We saw it with a bunch of different um, creators who were you know not seen as your typical normal quote unquote normal creator. And so I remember at the beginning of quarantine, this conversation came up and people were talking about the censorship, the um, being, you know, blocked or having your videos taken down for certain things. Um, And so that conversation happened a little at the beginning of quarantine and then it kind of like sizzled down a little. And then recently it just started coming back up again because um, fat creators, people in larger bodies, they were having their videos um, removed um, or they were having them put under review and then never posted. I have some friends who had their entire accounts removed. It's definitely, and I'm going to be completely upfront and blunt and honest, that it is 1000% fat phobia. There's no other explanation for what's happening on TikTok. We can see this. We know this because I have some friends uh, and I've done this myself as like a little trial run. You can duet a video of a girl, a skinny girl, a small girl in a bikini doing, you know, doing the exact same thing as them. And your video never gets posted. Your video gets put under review and, and never goes up. I had friends who have um, created a video with like a screen recording of a video and then they just stand there, not even moving. They just stand there in their bikinis no. and their video never goes up. 
Um, so there's some very, very loud and clear fat phobia happening over on TikTok. Um, I have been shadow banned for about four months on TikTok. I had one video that got taken down. And after that, it's never been the same. Um, Like my views, just in terms of like my views on my videos, I would maybe hit, I would usually hit like 5,000. And then now I hit barely, do I hit 1,000 views on my videos? It's definitely very obvious that when shadow banning is happening, um, when your videos aren't being shared or, you know, they'll they'll allow you to post them because that's what we want. We want our videos to go up, but then we don't fit into the algorithm. Our videos don't go out. They kind of just sit in this little corner and aren't ever seen by anyone. So there's definitely this... Um, uproar happening. Um, people openly speaking out about it. Uh, I posted on Instagram last week. I think a situation that I had happened to me. Um, I had my brand content tool removed from Instagram. They didn't give me any reason. It was just like violation of guidelines. So anytime I worked with a brand, I couldn't use the branded content tool, which is huge in working with brands. I don't think I, I did not realize the depths that this this isn't just like videos getting taken down like this. It's no. so it goes so much deeper. Very than targeted. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's a lot That's more so targeted to take down the brand partnership thing is very targeted. Yeah. So to so I couldn't use the branded content tool for about five months. Um, it was about five months and I, every, it was like every single day I was submitting a review to Instagram, like, please review my account. I don't know what I did. I don't know. Like, was it a, like a miss hashtag? Did I not use a hashtag? But there's no answer. There's no, like, this is what you did. Um, it's kind of just, oh, the tool is removed and you can keep using your Instagram, but you can't use this like major tool that's used for working with brands. <laughs> so I had my brand and content tool removed. I was submitting reviews every single day, not hearing from Instagram, a brand that I was working with. Um, they had their like Facebook people try to like figure it out wow. why <laughs> they were like, we can't figure out why this isn't enabled. And so I posted on Instagram a couple weeks ago, last week, I think, um, just talking about the censorship and saying like, um, you know, my brand and content tool has been removed. None of my videos on TikTok are being seen. I have a friend on Instagram who has a huge following who keeps getting notifications that she's violating guidelines. If she does it again, her account's going to be deleted. And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And her income, her job is social media. Like that is what she does. And so if her account gets deleted, it's like, that's her income. That's her livelihood. That's her career. And so thankfully I have an amazing community. And when I posted this on Instagram, they were tagging Instagram, they were tagging TikTok. And coincidentally, 12 hours later, I had my brand and content tool back. Wow. Hmm. And yeah, you're like, I, I remember thinking, hmm, okay, is this a coincidence? Or did you see the amount of people who were upset? And you were like, oh, let's give this girl her thing back or else, you know, we're going to keep getting brought up and tagged and all of these like negative things. So Instagram, they gave my brand a content tool back, but I won't, I'm not going to say that things still aren't, you know, hard for, for 
creators in larger bodies, but it's definitely worse on TikTok. It's definitely worse on TikTok. And I think the only thing we can do, unfortunately, is just continuing to like have the conversation to tag TikTok in whatever we can emails, like doing whatever we can to like, let them know, Hey, we know this is happening and it's extremely harmful because if you think about TikTok is a very young age group, it's very young people who are on the app. And so when younger kids, younger girls who, you know, see someone who they look up to and all of their videos are being removed or they're not being able to be posted, they're being told, oh, something's wrong with that girl's body. You know, oh, I look like her and they're not letting her, you know, speak out or say anything about this. It's extremely toxic. It's very toxic. It's very harmful you know, I think it's just having that conversation and and being aware of what's happening and all of that. I mean, we see that with some of the largest TikTok creators who blew up from doing dances that black creators made and these black creators not getting credit for any of the dances they created. And then these big TikTokers going off on to be like in movies and on, you know, late night shows and doing these dances and these black creators being like, that's my dance. Like, wow. (laughs) So you can definitely see it there as well. But censorship is 1000% happening. I had a video put under review yesterday. And it's a video that I've posted before I just like changed the wording on it. But it went under review and it never got posted. And coincidentally, the day that I posted on Instagram, I went to post the same video on TikTok and it got removed. <laughs> it just oh It's infuriating on all levels and even that deeper deeper meaning of why you do what you do to create that representation that you needed when you were younger, which is already such a powerful and liberating and empowering thing for you personally, but also all of the lives in which you are trying to reach and not being able to do that simply because of this censorship is just absolutely disgusting. And you would think, I mean, we talk about this all the time about how we hope that the world is going in the direction of more inclusivity on all accounts. And it's just, that's a huge, huge platform yeah. for younger kids who could, yeah. are, who we want, they can change the world with this representation and holding it back is just never okay. No, it never is. And I think with TikTok, it's frustrating because, well, I mean, I guess with either, but with TikTok specifically, like the success rate on TikTok is very high. Like the, you can post a video and get more views on TikTok than you could on YouTube or Instagram or whatnot. So the reach on TikTok is much larger. And that's what's so frustrating is that For me, I know that if I were to create a video talking about, hey, this is normal, this is normal, you have a stretch mark, this is normal, cellulite, normal, like all of these things. If I make this video, I know that it could it could reach hundreds of thousands of young people, but instead it just sits because TikTok wants to censor it because I'm in a bikini and because I'm showing off my lower stomach stretch marks and I'm showing off my cellulite and my rolls, they want to hide it. So then 50 people see it 
And and while I'm thankful for 50 people seeing it, 50 is better than none. It's still frustrating that you don't have people in larger bodies don't have that same ability to reach as many people. And majority of the time, people in larger bodies are the ones putting out those messages of like, I've been marginalized. My body has been marginalized. Like, look at me. I'm showing you that our bodies are okay. And then they're the ones that are being shadow banned or removed or, you know, prohibited from posting for a week or whatever the punishment might be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really get, like you said before, it doesn't get much more fat phobic than that. Exactly. You are, it's, it's quite literally the, these platforms are saying that those videos are taken down because they don't uh, like need to be existing. Yeah. We don't meet that physical look that mm-hmm. they want us to meet. And I think the most frustrating thing, and I've talked about this with, you know, fellow creators and stuff, but the reason why, you know, we have this, we have the, for example, the body positivity movement, and we've seen this movement kind of being um, over overrun by smaller creators. And I don't even consider myself part of the body positivity movement because one, it wasn't created for me. It was created for black marginalized, you know, people in larger bodies. And for me, I'm like, okay, I, I, I consider myself body acceptance, like in the body acceptance field, but you go onto TikTok and you see the body positivity movement being filled with like smaller people who are like hunching over trying to show their roles or like trying to push out their stomach and trying to look relatable. And these videos get hundreds of thousands to millions of views. And so you can understand why it's frustrating that people who are actually, you know, what who that movement was created for are trying to post the same exact thing who actually have stomachs that they can't suck in or hide or roles that they can't like bend over and have that they just have standing normally. Um, why they're frustrated that their videos don't go through and why they can't be, you know, be a part of that movement on TikTok. Um, And so I have this conversation a lot of just how frustrating that is that it kind of gets overrun by people in smaller bodies um, because that's not what the movement was created for. And while it's important for everyone of all sizes to love themselves and to embrace themselves, when we fill a movement with people who it wasn't intended to be for because of fat phobia, because we don't want fat people to show their bodies, um, it's frustrating, definitely. But that's where you come in. Right. That's where you come in. And that's where and that's just the power that TikTok, for example, holds. They have a power to do something so beautiful and could change society in such a huge way with their audience and the users that telling the people that it was made for this beautiful movement was made for that you are still not worthy of taking up space on our platform is just like telling them you're not worthy of taking up space in society. So we're still on this hamster wheel that it's, it's an issue still. Yeah. Like the health at every size, you are a health at every size educator. You a hundred percent are. You didn't say that at the beginning, but I know that you always say that. And it's, it's so interesting because I just very recently, extremely recently broke up with the term body positivity, but, but that is because I, I myself did the work and sifted through shit to figure out that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. That movement is not for me. And you know what's unfortunate is that 
Most humans who are hashtagging body positivity are Mm well-meaning. They mean so well Mm -hmm. and they just don't know better. Mm -hmm. But why don't they know better? Because these big platforms aren't making that information available to them. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just so backwards, right? It's like, like Becca just said, TikTok has this ability to educate and push out that kind of education. Not to say it's not going to come up against resistance because it will, but then at least it becomes, that's the norm. People start understanding, okay, I feel you. I honor you. I'm empathetic to the way that you're saying that you want to be positive about your body, but here is why you should reconsider making use of this specific hashtag. We have the ability as humans to get that information out there, but not if those exact humans who are dedicating their life to doing it are being censored. It's just, how are we supposed to improve? This is mind blowing to me, you know, it's all education. It's all just understanding for a lot of people, like, like you said, who use that body positive hashtag. I used to use that body positive hashtag because I only, I solely thought that the body positive hashtag was just people who, you know, were trying to see themselves in a positive light and celebrate their bodies, Um, which unfortunately is what has happened over time when we've censored the people who have who actually started the body positive hashtag um, and who aren't able to actually share with us why it was created, um, not just a hashtag, the movement in general, why the movement was created, who the movement was created for. And so people like myself um, and, you know, you AMQ saying like, we just didn't know what it, what the actual, um, you know, roots of the movement were because we were seeing you know, unfortunately, smaller people and a lot of times, you know, white people who were sharing their bodies and saying, oh, body positivity. And so it was when I stepped back and thought, oh, wait a second, I don't actually fall under this category. This wasn't a movement that was made for me. So why would I, as a very privileged white woman, take up space in a movement that wasn't created for me? When there are plenty of other places and plenty of other hashtags that I can use to still get the same message across. So I think it's it's it is that education, that education point where it's like we have to be able to put that message out there and say this is what body positivity was created on and who it was created for. And from there, people can decide, yeah, you're right. I don't really fall under that. This wasn't a movement created for me. Instead, why don't I you know, consider myself body acceptant or, you know, body confident or whatever that might look like. But it's, it is really important that we understand the education behind these things, um, the roots of them. And we honor and we uplift the people who are actually supposed to be represented by this movement. Yeah. I had it on my bio on my Instagram up until, I mean, a few weeks ago, AMQ and I have linked arms in unlearning and relearning and educating ourselves and leaning into the fact that you might be wrong is okay. (laughs) It doesn't mean the resistance in, it's not the understanding that it's not a literal meaning. And I know I struggle with that because I was like, oh man, like this is what has, I felt like body positivity changed my life. But 
those there was other things that changed my life and it none of that was body positivity because that has nothing like that was like you ladies just spoke on it ha- wasn't mm-hmm. made for us i mean if you listen to it, even our more recent episodes you can see that growth because we, we were talking before we cringe even looking back at some of the titles of our first few episodes we're like oh no we did that wrong oh no we did that wrong yeah yeah <laughs> <We> totally did <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's why we created but that's why we're li- here literally yeah. why we created this yeah. pod right it, it's it's so important to be transparent and what we do the kind of work that we all do mm-hmm. is is it, you just you have to be you just have to be transparent and i'm good i'm good with someone calling me out if i'm 1000% good mm-hmm. i'm good and and it's like look <laughs> i i'm as sassy as they come but if you're going to deliver something if you're trying to educate me and empower me at the same time and you have something to back it up i'm going to listen yeah. You know, I will because I want to be better. And if there's even one human out there who's watching what Becca and I do and they say they are inspired by us, then you sure should believe, better believe that I take responsibility for showing up in an educated Mm -hmm. way. And it's always going to change, but... I'm sure, I'm sure Carly, you deal with it all the time and you have people in your DMs being like, I didn't know Mm -hmm. this. Thank you for shining the light on it. That's the point, right? Like that's literally the point. Yes, it definitely is. And I mean, I really, I can relate so much. I go back and I used verbiage that I'm like, Ooh, I would never use that now. Um, my Instagram started as a quote unquote fitspo Instagram and it was before and afters all over the place and food all over the place and all of this stuff. And I look back and I'm like, Oh God, like I cringe because that was just where I was then in my life. And over time, the people I've surrounded myself with, the, the education that I've allowed myself to kind of take in, I've learned really I mean, what the negative things are, what the things are that are negatively impacting people and all of that type of stuff. And those are things I didn't know back then. Those are, I didn't know that, you know, racism and body positivity all go into one and anti-blackness and body positivity or sorry, anti-blackness and fat phobia all fall into one. Like I didn't know any of that. And through education, you're able to really understand, okay, this is why it's important to empower movements you know, and, and be able to speak up against people who are using and abusing a movement that's not created for them while still being like, I encourage you to, you know, feel confident and empower people around you and celebrate your body and do all these things. But make sure you're using the right verbiage. Make sure you're not, you know, labeling yourself or taking up space in a movement that's already struggling to find space to even exist in. But you would have never learned that if you weren't, and this is the interesting thing, right? Is if you didn't start where you started, I'm going to go ahead and say you probably wouldn't end up where you're at. Yeah, right? so definitely. It, it's just, it, we put ourselves, I'm telling you, it's like, I've been using this this term, but I, I quite frankly feel like I'm putting myself in the ring. And that means that I need to be able to like, Take mm-hmm. those jabs and duck and 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 be adaptable because that's good old Brene Brown. <laughs> that's Bren- yeah, like you're putting yourself in the that, ring, that's right? Brene Brown be re- Netflix. <laughs> yeah, like you got to be scrapped. Like I'm ready to be like to get scrappy and like do what I need to do and rumble and and do all the things because then you come out the other side and you're like okay, mm-hmm. but I I earned that stripe, you know, and and I had to go through the shit to be able to navigate all of it. So it's been it's just so nice like watching it's such a lame word to use but it, it, it it's 
it's so nice watching other people and, and seeing humans like you forge that path for others. And it's just so nice to lean on it. And any opportunity that we get, we want to amplify those voices, right? And you're one of those people who puts yourself in the, in the, I know, I know it. I know for a fact that you don't give a shit. You're like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to say something that challenges people. I'll fight whoever the fuck I have to fight. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> like, we love that, right? It's like, it's cool. It's cool. Like, develop a thicker skin and be ready. You can't put yourself in the line of fire and then just expect to, like, dodge all of it, right? Like, of course, you're going to get hit sometimes. But, oh, what an, what an empowering conversation. I'm going to sip some water. <laughs> What a lovely segue also to our next question with how did gaining this notoriety on social media more, we're going to shift back to like maybe the positive and like you said, responsibility of it all. How did that affect you and the way that you showed up? So I never expected to be where I am at all ever. Um, like I said, from like middle school up until my junior year of college, I swore I was going to be an elementary school teacher. That is what I was told I was good at. That is what I was told I was supposed to do. Um, and as the chronic people pleaser, that's what I consider myself, uh, as the people pleaser that I am, I never thought twice about it. I just thought, oh, this is what people see in me. This is what people see as my strengths. So this is what I this is what I should do. Um, and so junior year of college, I started my recovery and it was through my recovery from an eating disorder that I saw this huge lack of education and awareness around eating disorders, specifically in schools. Um, I saw eating disorder like, um, tendencies in fourth graders. I saw eating disorder tendencies in fifth graders, third graders. I saw it in really young kids and I think it was the first time I ever saw it that that was kind of the light bulb moment for me where I was like, I know I'm a great teacher. I know I'd make a good teacher, but I'm going to make more of a more of an impact outside of the classroom in the eating disorder field. And also, I loved social media. I loved like being able to show up and post and do all of these things. And I also had the voice of my like mentors behind me that are like, be careful what you post, be careful what you post as a teacher, you know, and I was like, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> this is I don't like this. And I didn't like it. I hated that that I had to kind of be careful with what I was posting and I wasn't able to really post what I wanted. And so that was kind of lingering in the back of my head. I was like, OK, well, if I if I'm not a traditional teacher and I'm focusing on, you know, eating disorder awareness, I can post whatever I want, like I can post what I want. And so, yeah, I kind of I stepped away from teaching and and I got into the eating disorder field. And that's kind of where my Instagram started to to evolve and grow because I was showing up for me. I was being authentic to myself. I was sharing my recovery. I was sharing my experiences through recovery and being able to show up as myself was so therapeutic for me mm. in my recovery. And when I started to show up for myself and I saw that there were people who supported me and there were people that were like, oh my God, Carly, I have been thinking this. I have been feeling this. I have been going Going through this for months now and there's finally someone talking about it that is when I was like this is where I'm supposed to be and these are the conversations I'm supposed to be having um and so over time you know I kind of stepped into that what I don't know quote-unquote influencer 
field or whatever. Um, and I started working with brands that aligned with my recovery and I started being able to, you know, kind of have my voice going in different directions because I was working with these different brands. And then from there, I realized just how much of an impact you can make on social media. Um, and I realized you can, you know, kind of build your brand, I guess, you know, based off of my story. I was able to build my brand based off my, my recovery, my experience through recovery, my experience before my eating disorder, things that led up to my eating disorder, all of this, all of this stuff. So I would say, you know, having the platform that I have has been extremely it's been amazing. But at the same time, I still have to, I have those days where I have to step back and I have to say like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this for the numbers, for the likes, for the views, for whatever. And I'm the type of person that I'm like, you know, at the beginning of my Instagram, I was like, if, if I have one person who walks away from this and takes something from, and I'm happy, but I, found myself throughout this whole journey kind of getting wrapped up in followers. And and it's, it's just how we are as humans. We get wrapped up in those numbers. And I had to so many times step back and be like, this isn't why, this isn't why I started. This isn't why I'm here. It's not about the followers and all of that. It's about the message and creating that community where people can come to my DMs and say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Do you have a recommendation, book, podcast, like whatever it may be, and being able to be that case manager (laughs) for my followers, which, you know, I love. I love being able to provide that for them. And they do the same for me. I get tagged and stuff. Hey, Carly, look at this. I think that you'd really appreciate this. Or, hey, Carly, this is really terrible. Maybe we should talk about this, (laughs) you know, stuff that people are saying or videos or whatever. So that's really what that space is is for me right now. And it's, yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, a year from now where we are, what we're doing, but that's where we're at. And it does so much for me. (laughs) I love that you called yourself a case manager. Yeah. It's amazing. It's such a great way of looking at it though. And not everybody, look, not everyone is like, my DMs are open and I'm willing to answer your question. Not everyone like that. Not everyone in the same space that you're in is like that. So it's so interesting that you look at it like that because it's true. Like you're really a case manager. That good old elementary education lingo case manager. I'm with you on that. Yeah. That's my social worker (laughs) lingo. Yeah. yeah. And I think for some people, like I'll say like I, it took me a while to get to that headspace of being able to say, you know, come to me with anything. And there are days where I will tell my community, Hey, I'm not in a great headspace. And if I, if you've sent me a message and I'm not getting back to you, that's why. And they understand, they understand that I can't be that person 24 seven all the time. And there's days where I just don't even want to look at my DMS. (laughs) Like I don't even, I'm like, I cannot open them today. And being able to be transparent and say that is so important when creating your community and being able to make sure you're setting those boundaries and telling your community, hey, I'm here for you this many days of the week, but I need one day where I just don't do anything. I don't look at my messages and I'm not researching things, but I'm just, you know, existing. And they Mm -hmm. understand that and they appreciate that. They respect it. Um, So I definitely... 
I think that's important in doing that because I think burnout is real and I think it's very easy to get burnt out. And for some people who have larger platforms, that could be the reason why they're like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't answer those questions. or I can't send you these resources because for however many years of their um, time on Instagram, that might have been what they were doing all day, every day is answering those DMs and being there for people. And they got to a point where they were like, wow, this is exhausting. (laughs) So being able to figure out how you can do that in a way that's healthy for you and being able to set those boundaries and take those days when you need them. I just wanted to highlight one thing that you said, because I think it's so important when you mentioned how you were seeing um, eating disorder tendencies in children and how the work that you are doing. And I just hope you just from being in the classroom, for example, I had a girl last week. It was pizza day. Kids love pizza day. She ordered a salad. And I didn't question it. Like I'm putting in the lunch order. She, when we, cause now we all have to eat lunch together. It's a lot of together time. And I saw her physically take her salad and turn her back to the rest of the class. Cause she sat on like the edge and she's like, oh, and she turned her back. So, you know, my ass, I am tagged all the way the fuck mm-hmm. in. And I go over to her and I was like, what's the matter? Like you look upset. And she's like, uh, it's pizza day. I said, yeah. <laughs> do you did you did you mean to order it? I'll go grab you one from the cafeteria. She was like, "No, I was told I should I should get the salad instead of the pizza." And first off, I had to the whew, being now where I am in my learning of everything, being as a teacher a few years ago probably wouldn't have seen a red flag to be quite to be fully transparent. But now I'm like, "No, now we need to step in." And now you are going to be one of those resources that teachers, kids can reach out to. And I just hope you know how powerful that is. And we need just to multiply you. Thank you. Clone clone your passion times a thousand, because that's, that is, I mean, hearing how they talk to each other, even about TikToks and their bodies in the classroom, I like fully stopped teaching to like shut that all the way down and have a really big learning moment. So I just hope you know that I know it's hard work right now. I know that you have finals coming up and it probably feels like it's super overwhelming, but the light that you are going to shine at the end of this tunnel is going to be amazing for the people that you're going to. Yeah. And I, I think that that was the, yeah, when I, when I saw the eating disorder tendencies in a fourth grader, it was the same experience. I took like snacks for after school and it was like tortilla chips. It was like something so boring, <laughs> but I was like, oh God, I like, I didn't have time to get anything else. So I was like, oh, I'll take these and they can just like munch on them and stuff. And I a little girl who came up to me and she was like, Miss Compton, um, can I, are, are these going to make me fat? Oh. And I was like, no, no, like you haven't eaten since lunch. Like we're just, we're having a snack, like eat the snack. And she was like, well, my mom tells me like when I eat this stuff, it makes, it's going to make me fat. And it took everything in me to not be like, what is your mom's phone number? I'm calling her right Right, now. I want to have this conversation with your mother about how she needs to cut it out with saying that kind of stuff. But again, yeah, it was like taking that opportunity to educate her and be like, no, like this is food. This is fuel. You haven't eaten since, you know, whatever time lunch was and we're trying to do things and you need to eat food. Um, And so I think, I think, yeah, when you're in the classroom and you're hearing things and you're seeing things, it's really scary. And you're like, what do I do as a teacher? And it's hard because for a lot of teachers, you don't have a lot of that freedom to, to teach that curriculum that you want to teach because you're like, well, I have to teach all these other things as well. And to focus on eating disorders and body image is going to take up a lot of time and a lot of energy. And for some teachers, that's just not 
a, a possibility for them. Um, so fingers crossed, uh, I can create a curriculum that can go out to schools and be taught within schools. Um, or I can go into schools myself and, and, and be these, be this guest speaker for students, but also teachers and also parents, Mm -hmm. because we, we all know a lot of it starts in the household and it starts with parents. So yeah, it's important. Very important. Yes. Yes. Can't imagine if that was even a, a thing, an idea when I was that age. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think they know, though, like in our health departments or like when they're teaching health and PE, they're taught calories. Yeah. They're taught yep. how to what a plate should look mm-hmm. like. So it it builds upon that, it like plants the seeds. So it's not necessarily so much in the forefront. And when they're logging on to TikTok, I mean, I got three kids that are like, Mr. Chico, we found your TikTok. Oh, that's why it's private. <laughs> but like they're logging in. Those are the kids like that are logging in and on that heavy scroll so when you're blocking accounts like yours, that's doing so it's all those puzzle pieces put together is just adding up to destruction. There's no. Yeah. It's all about, like you said, with health and everything, like it's so outdated what is so taught outdated. in terms of like the food pyramid and what your plate should look like. I remember having to be weighed be weighed in front of my entire health class and my health teacher being like, all right, Carly, you are 100. And, you know, like just shouting out your weight in front of everyone and being like, so I am the heaviest one here. That's fabulous. (laughs) And like understanding, like, why is this happening? This is not necessary. This is not something that needs to be done. Um, And I think a lot of it also is, this idea of like, and, and I've kind of developed, learned this with talking with parents of like, well, if I don't talk about it or if, if I don't share it with them, they're not going to know about it. And I'm like, that's like saying that if you don't talk about sex education, kids are just not going to ever know what sex is. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, I, that's not how it works. No. And it's like, okay, but that would be like saying, fine, fine. If you don't talk about it, then my kids won't know about it. You know what? Maybe that was true. I'm 35. So maybe that was true in the early 90s when my mom had an eating disorder and I was watching her get worse and worse and worse and worse and not have access to any of the resources to this day. Probably still isn't. She won't admit she has one, you know, and it's because she wasn't she just didn't know any better. But by not talking about it. That doesn't mean they're not going to develop an eating disorder. You want to know why? Because now we live in a time where everyone else will talk about it. So you get to choose. Are you the first? Like, are you the one right there who delivers the message first? Or are you going to, you're you're risking the wilds of the world here. You know, your kid's going out there and they're seeing all these things. And then you have those conversations, like you mentioned, Carly, where, you know, you've got this innocent little girl saying, Miss Compton, is this going to make me fat? Is this tortilla chip going to make me fat? Like that doesn't just, you don't just wake up one day with that. That's taught. Right. Exactly. And I think a lot of it, it comes from the normalization of a lot of disordered eating and a lot of parents who who think that what they're saying and what they're teaching their kids is like helpful and useful and it's going to help them be healthy as they get older and all of this stuff. And so it is it's a lack of education. And I see that in my internship now. So I intern at a high school right now for grad school and I we so I'm interning with the the school therapist and we've had like a handful of cheerleaders referred to us. Mm -hmm. And so my, um, 
my mentor was like, well, why don't we do, why don't we ask if they want to have a talk about eating disorders? Because, you know, obviously there's something happening within this cheerleading world. So, um, I gave a talk to the high school pep squad and the amount of girls who came back to me after who were like, I did not realize that any of this stuff was considered disordered eating. I didn't realize that you could be obsessed with exercise. I didn't realize that you could have an unhealthy relationship with food or that you could find this place where food wasn't something you didn't think about all the time. Like that's just been so ingrained in their heads. And so it is that lack of education. Most health, most health teachers aren't going to be able to tell you that there's more than two eating disorders. They're not going to be able to tell you the other two besides anorexia and bulimia. Yeah. And that's what the problem is, is that there is so much more to eating disorders that isn't talked about. And so people think, oh, I'm not anorexic. Oh, I'm not bulimic. Okay, I'm fine. I don't have an eating disorder. It's like, no, there's many other things that could be contributing to what you're experiencing. Um, so it is that education, that conversation that just needs to be had. Like orthorexia is completely glorified as you just loving fitness. Been there. Yep. Been we there. have body dysmorphia. We have binge eating disorder, which is the most common eating disorder. Binge so eating common. disorder is the most common. And it's not even no, like most people don't even know about it. They just think of anorexia. They think of bulimia. They don't think of binge eating. And so it's that. Yeah. It's like we have to bring someone in to be able to create this. Like, how do I teach this? How do people need to learn like how to teach certain things? It's like we do that for suicide prevention. We do that for drugs and alcohol. Yeah. We do that for all of these other things. But for some reason, eating disorders kind of just like sit on the back burner. But hopefully yeah. we're moving toward improvement. Okay. So on this topic, because we're talking about when you were little and everything that started, you know, it starts somewhere. When did you first become aware of your body? I would say, so growing up, um, my, I had a cousin who was really close in age to me. So we were only like a couple months apart. We were in the same grade. She was much smaller than me growing up. And I remember I've shared this before too. I remember like going shopping with her and we would go to like justice and like all of those stores that you would shop at, like Y2K stores, <laughs> the, the <2000 laughs> stores. limited to limited to injustice, like all these places. And we would go there and they would never have anything that fit me. They, they never had anything that fit me. And I would leave these stores feeling so upset and devastated. And my mom, the sweetheart that she was, was like, honey, it's okay. It's okay, honey. Let's go to Macy's. Let's go to Macy's. Or, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to go to Macy's. I want to shop at Limited too. I want to shop at Justice. But they just didn't carry my size. So I was in the kids section at Macy's. I was in the kids section at Kohl's. And that played a huge, that was very traumatizing for me. Um, it was very traumatizing to, you know, go into a fitting room with your cousin and you're like having fun and you're having like a girl's trip and you're going shopping and you're doing all these things. And then your cousin walks out and you're like, Oh, that looks so cute on you. I'm going to try one on and you go and it doesn't zip. And you're like, well, shit, mm. <laughs> I'm not walking out there to show my mom and my cousin what I look like because half of my ass is hanging out because the skirt doesn't zip up. And so that was really, that was probably the first experience for me where I was like, my body is different. My body is different than my cousin and my friends. So I think I, that was probably like 
you know, like fifth grade ish, fourth or fifth grade is when that really became very clear to me. And then I had an experience in seventh grade where a classmate, we were watching Alvin and the Chipmunks and he was like, oh my God, literally blurted out in front of the whole class. Oh my God, Carly, you and Theodore are so similar. And the like stupid girl that I, I was like, what do you mean? What? And he was like, you're both fat. (laughs) And he said this in front of my entire seventh grade class. And I just like laughed. I was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. Because that was like my coping. My coping was like laughing, (laughs) laughing and being like, oh, that's so funny. And the whole the class laughed and no one asked me, like, are you okay? Did that hurt your feelings? Like, and so I went to the school ther- the school counselor, and I was like, hey, like, so-and-so said this, and it actually, like, really hurt my feelings. Um, and she was like, oh, he's just kidding. Like, you're just kids. You're just kids. He's just kidding. That's what she told me. And I was like, uh-uh. okay. <laughs> so that is a story that I always tell when it comes to, like, the very beginning stages of my eating disorder because I knew right then that there was something different about me. Um, and I knew that everyone in my class agreed and saw that because no one stood up for me. No one was like, hey, no, she's not. It was just like, oh, ha ha ha. Yeah, we we all see Carly as the chubby girl in seventh grade. And so went through middle school just like absolutely in a terrible place with my body. Always like just thinking about I was always trying to hide my body. Um, wearing like oversized things. Again, I was an athlete. Like I played sports from the time I was like eight years old. And so I was very active, but I was still just sitting, you know, at this one size. And I remember just being like, how do I lose weight? How do I fit in? And I saw my mom who was always dieting. She was always on a new diet. She was always fat-free this, sugar-free this, like we're going on vacation in 20 days. I need to lose X amount of weight before then. And me just thinking that was normal. Like it's normal to always want to be losing weight and always wanting to be changing your body. And when I saw that nothing was working for me, no diet was working, no little amount of food was working. That's when my eating disorder developed. And, um, a lot of that came from, learning that a classmate of mine who had lost a lot of weight, who was getting a lot of attention, a lot of attention, I found out she was also bulimic. And I was like, oop, light bulb. And it was so bad. It was it was just like, I thought I found my answer. I thought I'd found my solution. Um, and so that's when my eating disorder developed. And something that I thought would only last, you know, a couple weeks oh, we'll just do this for a couple weeks and see if I can lose weight. And then that snowballed into years of uh, extreme eating disorder. So yeah, I would say it's fourth, fifth grade is when I started experiencing and understanding my body was different. And then from there, just little things happening and me seeing my body not changing, uh, nothing working, being desperate because I thought my body had to change. I thought I had to do something to change my body. Um, and then I thought, oh, well, this works for her. So maybe it works for me. So then that's when my eating disorder came in. And thankfully, I didn't get to a place where I was hospitalized. It wasn't extreme, but I realized my body is very much struggling and we have to we have to change this because this is not going to work for much longer. 
So yeah, I want to highlight the realness on that for a second because we're all about highlighting the real here. You talked about, you know, you having a problem and then solving it with bulimia. I'm literally, I am like right there with you. Like this, I'm right there with you. This is like, I'm listening to somebody say the words out of my mind. Um, but it's, it's important to highlight that nobody ever goes down that road thinking that this is going to be a long time thing, right? Nobody even, to be honest, when I developed those tendencies, I didn't know that I was developing eating disorder tendencies because it was a solution to a problem. It wasn't me being like, all right, AMQ, buckle up, buttercup. You're about to embark on an eating disorder. You know, that's not how that went. But then it's habit stacking, right? Just like we talk about, oh, I wake up every morning and I write in my gratitude journal and I meditate and I move my body mindfully. Okay, well, there's not much difference when it comes to thinking that you're solving a problem that you have and it becomes a habit. It becomes planning out your social situations. It becomes saying no to social situations because you don't know what to expect. It's a habit. And then I think that's what makes it harder to break the loop, right? Because of that. And I think the scariest part too, especially in my situation was that I didn't see a huge change in my body. Like maybe small amount of weight loss, but I didn't see massive weight loss in what I envisioned would happen with my, when I developed an eating disorder. Um, and I think like it was that idea of, of it never being enough, you know, like, oh, well, let's just do one more week because then in that one week I could maybe lose a little bit more weight. And then it's that obsession with like, you know, uh, okay, I just ate. Okay. What do I do now? Like I can't like, and it, and you can't get out of that headspace. You can't just like snap yourself out of this habit that you have developed for yourself. It's also a lot of mental, um, a lot of mental illness and like stuff going on in our heads that we don't know how to control or how, you know, what to do in order to heal that. And so I think, for me, it was like, yeah, it was like, okay, this is just going to be a short-term thing to get me to my goal weight. And then from there, once I get to my goal weight, then I'll start like eating healthy and working out and like doing all of these things and getting rid of my eating disorder. That's not how it works. Like, unfortunately, that's not how it works. And that's the problem with us promote with society promoting like this quick fix. Let's lose this amount of weight in this short period of time or look this way is like people want that quick fix. And a lot of times diets aren't going to do that and eating healthy and working out isn't going to do that. And so a lot of times it's resorting to disordered eating. And like we said, you can't just snap out of that. It's not a quick fix. It's then something that you have to learn how to hide. You have to learn how to live with in a way that like works around your schedule. How do people not see it? Like, how can you like make this look quote unquote normal and like you're doing this in a, in a normal way. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's all goes back to that normalization and we have to unnormalize these disordered eating habits. And we have to, we have to talk about the fact that you don't need to lose weight to be worthy. You don't need to lose weight to be loved and to be seen and to be heard. And you don't have to meet this unrealistic beauty standard. Like you are all of those things in the body that you're in. And 
it's really just helping people to step into that and learn how to celebrate those parts of their bodies that they've been told for so long are flaws, Um, your stretch marks, your cellulite, your rolls, you know, all of those things. So it's having those conversations and removing that stigma around eating disorders and that conversation around eating disorders while also not normalizing disordered eating and obsession with exercise. Imagine if we were told when we were younger that you don't have to wait on the weight. Exactly. You don't have to wait on any type of weight to live your best life. Mm -hmm. That would have been changed the trajectory of how we live. Exactly. It's like, you don't have to wait until you lose weight to wear a bikini and enjoy yourself at the beach. You can go to the beach for your family vacation and wear a bathing suit and run around and jump and swim and do all of these things without having to lose weight before, you know, without having to, you know, meet this idea of what you need to look like to lay on the beach in a bikini. (laughs) Um, and instead you can do all of that just the way you are. Yeah, I'd just like to say that because of you, actually, fun fact, I was just going to text you this later, but I'll just say it. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of, I don't own a lot of bathing suits. Like just in my whole life, I never have, mm-hmm. um, which makes no sense because I grew up going to the cottage basically every weekend. I'm a cottage kid and I used to work in the travel industry, which had me quite literally in the Caribbean all the time. Mm-hmm. There, there were times where I wouldn't pack bathing suits so that on my break, I would be like, I just can't, I don't have a bathing suit. I just, I forgot it. Like I would do it on purpose because I was so uncomfortable in my body. And it makes no sense when you look at my history, like why I don't have bathing suits. And yesterday I was like, okay, I'm just, oh, I'm just going to like try on some bathing suits. None of them fit me. None of them fit me. So I was like, I'm going to order some. You know what? Carly would tell me I should fucking put on bathing suits right now, even if all I'm doing in this lovely quarantine life I'm living is lying down on my tiny, tiny little balcony, mm-hmm. soaking up the sun. But I'm going to wear a bathing suit that fits me yeah. or else I won't go on my balcony and soak up the sun. So like, I have to solve this problem for myself. Yes. I'm going to buy a bathing suit. You know what I literally said to myself? This is what my little brain was like. Yeah, well, like you're trying to get pregnant. So like, why would you buy a bathing suit now? And like, maybe oh, you're no. pregnant in a month and then like you can't put on the bathing suit. Shut the fuck up, thank you. <laughs> Get the up. bathing suit to wear right now, even if it's right for now. one month. <laughs> yeah, like it's going to be at the door in two days. Wear it then, wear it on that day. Like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I was literally outside basking in the sunlight on my balcony yesterday, turned to my husband and was like, I bikinis not hit me. And then I literally thought of you and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go buy some. I'm buying and I did. And I did. So I'm so proud of you (laughs) that those are small things. Like you don't realize the impact you're making and not everyone is going to slide into your DMS and tell you that shit. So I just wanted to make sure that I I always will. So I just want you to know that for every me, there's lots more. Yes. And and, and I air quotes, like me and Becca say this all the time. Like I'm always like, AMQ, you know, better, you know, I'm always like doing the, like the self slap, Mm -hmm. you know, better, like you're messaging, like, why don't you, why don't you say to yourself, what you say to other people, it's just easier said than done. Oh yeah. 100%. That's why I have Becca. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally why I have Becca. Yeah. Becca will literally say my words, like literally my words out of her mouth <laughs> to me. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh yeah, oh my gosh. So makes so much sense. You're so smart. Yeah. Probably sitting there like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I find myself there too, where I'm like, Carly, what the fuck are you saying? Like, (laughs) you 
you know that you would never say this to anyone else? And why are you taking four minutes out of your day to say this to yourself? Um, but it's just how we as humans work. And it's it, we're never going to be able to get rid of get rid of that that little voice in our head. Like it's always going to be there. Um, I call it the inner mean girl, the bully inside your head, whatever you want to call it. Like that voice that's always going to be like, no, like don't get a new bikini. Try and wear the ones that you have. Don't spend money. Try and fit into the old ones. Like those voices that are always just telling you like change, change, change. And having to say, nope, we are going against that voice and we are going to donate our bikinis or whatever and get new ones that fit us, that make us feel good. Even if we don't have a beach to go to, like just wear it around your house. And that's what I always tell people is like anything that you struggle with wearing confidence wise, crop tops, shorts, tank tops, bikinis, I'm like, wear them around your house just to get used to that feeling of them on your body. Like, where does it hit? Like, how does it feel when you sit down? How do like getting used to just feeling them on your body and wearing them? And it's going to make it easier to then wear that out of the house. And you're going to feel more confident being like, wow, I'm wearing a crop top and I'm showing my stomach. It's going to feel easier to do that in public. Yeah, that's strategy. And that, that action step true has changed how my confidence levels in my body have just got or I just like walk around naked yeah and amq if you don't have a bikini just free the titty yeah <laughs> just, lay out. just be out in your underwear <laughs> yeah free the titty show the city this is what we're working with yeah <laughs> I'm literally in, on the 24th floor of a freaking skyscraper condo. Perfect. I'll look for you on YouTube. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe you won't be banned on TikTok. <laughs> you start just straight up showing your titties. Yeah. Well, Carly, you did such a great job. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing how you felt then and when you started to become aware of your body. What would be a word that you would use to describe your current relationship with your body? Freedom. Oh, yes, queen. Yes. That is the number one word that I think of when I think of my relationship with my body and my relationship with food and my relationship with free with movement. It's freedom. Like I don't, of course I have days where I really struggle, but majority of the time I feel freedom around what I choose to eat. I feel freedom around what I do in terms of movement on certain days, whether I want to move my body, whether I don't want to move my body. I have that freedom and it's taken a lot of work to get to a place where I feel that freedom. And I always tell people like the first glimpse of that feeling, that first glimpse of freedom that you have, that's going to be what pushes you Mm -hmm. forward because there is no better feeling than knowing that food is no longer controlling you. Movement is no longer controlling you. Societal standards are no longer controlling you, but instead you have full control over what you eat, how you view yourself, what you say to yourself, what you do for movement, how you take in what other people say about you and learning how to just have that freedom. Um, Again, easier said than done. Uh, But it really is is surrounding yourself with people who are going to encourage you to continue to that place of freedom. Um, And because we all deserve that, we deserve that freedom around these things that are normal parts of life, food and movement and in our bodies. And, um, so yeah, freedom is that number one word. I'm seeing it so large and bright in my head. (laughs) It's like a billboard. Yes. Love a good neon sign. Yes, definitely. That's what it is. That's what I'm seeing. (laughs) One of those ones that makes like the noise when you turn it on. It's like, like, yeah. (laughs) 
not like a dive bar neon sign. It's like a Miami nice club. It's classy. Yeah. 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 Cursive. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cursive is classy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not super classy, so maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's just like bold block letters. It's like, a little bold. Yeah. Maybe a little cheesy. I don't know. Just <laughs> as long as it's bright and it gets people's attention, I don't care. Exactly. There you go. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, you already basically helped define body positivity. Um, we like to ask this question. I really like to ask this question. So I'm gonna I'm going to replace the term body positivity with something else. But if I give you these Ooh. terms, body acceptance, body neutrality, and body liberation or other. Which term do you connect with most and why? Um, That's hard because all of those I feel a little bit of connection to. But I would say right now where I'm at in my life right now, body liberation is probably the one that that really relates a lot to me because I feel very liberated in my body. I feel like a year ago it would have been acceptance. It would have been body acceptance because I was in a place where I was really just learning to accept my body. And now I feel like through, you know, over the course of the year with quarantine, with COVID, with seeing my body changing, gaining weight and all of these things that happened over the last year, I think I've reached a place of body liberation where I do feel very liberated in my body. Um, And I feel, yeah, I feel like my body, instead of it being like this hassle for me, it is this like, it's this like, um, this really, I'm trying to think of the word I would use. It's like a castle. It's like this castle for me. It's like a place where I feel just very beautiful. And like, I feel like the queen of this castle and I feel like I can be that, that for my body. Um, I can be the queen of my body and, and really just allow it to be beautiful and, and shine and, you know, stand out and do all these things. So I would say, yeah, body liberation right now is where I'm at, but that could be very different a year from now. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Like such a beautiful visual. Yeah. I'm just going to go get a whole castle tattoo on my back because that was amazing. <laughs> I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a castle tattoo and it's just going to say queen of this castle. Yes. <laughs> We're yes. not even a castle. Just get a tattoo that says queen of this castle. And then that yeah. castle is your body. That is yep. Yep. anyone who gets That's that. Please tag me. If you get that as a tattoo. <laughs> no, do not. No one is allowed to do it. That's going to be my next merch launch. Queen of this castle. Yeah. You should 100% do that. You're welcome. That honestly, I'm I'll be honest, I just made that up. Yeah, I could tell. That's amazing. I saw the wheels turning. I know you did. Like we were navigating that. Yeah, like I feel like when you have something like ready to rock, you know? Like you can see it, but I could see you working through that in your I head. I was like, what <laughs> word am I using? Oh my god, queen of this castle. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And look where it, look, it was fabulous. <laughs> it was. It worked out tremendously. <laughs> Incredible. Look at that. We're just learning and growing together. All exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've been talking a lot about your, a lot of your recent posts, which I share like probably every single one. Let's be real. We just but. send them to each other, to be honest with you. AMQ, whichever one of us sees it for, did you see this one? Did you see this one? <laughs> now I just, did you read Carly's new chapter of her book and her caption of this story? <laughs> 
Yeah, right. It's funny because I send I always like um, my partner, he's very intelligent. And so he like proofreads everything a lot of times. And so I'll be like, if it's like a really, really important caption and it's talking about like really important things, I'll be like, hey, can you just read this? Did I say this right? Did I whatever? And he's like, holy shit, this is so long. (laughs) And he's like, this is a this is an Instagram caption. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Okay. But yeah, I appreciate people who read them because they are long. But yeah, well, I mean, but it's 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 storytelling, exactly. Yes, right. Like that's essentially what you're using it Mm -hmm. for. That's that's I I love that he's like, what is that? How many times have you hit the limit? Because I do. I actually don't know if I have. It tells you. Oh, cut you off. Then no, I don't think I have. I'll have to go back all the time and be like, mm, okay, I was getting a little too verbose here. Okay, you got to take well, some words out. I like search the run on sentences. I'm like, all right, okay, I guess nobody has to hear this part. I've said this 18 times before. It's hilarious. But you posted, you wrote a super, super powerful post recently centered around how 15-year-old Carly would think of the photo that you posted. So what advice would you give 15-year-old Carly? Grab your sweaters, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to get the goosies. Yes. I actually just got the goosies as you read that. So um, only because I know the shit that 15-year-old Carly went through. And when I... And it's actually funny that that post was inspired by... I went live on Instagram and one of my followers came on and she like requested to jump on because we were talking about imposter syndrome and she was like, oh, I have a really great piece of advice that I think a lot of people could really like benefit from. So she came on and she was like, she was like, I want you to, when you're feeling this feeling of imposter syndrome or this feeling of like, um, not being good enough, um, or whatever that may be, she's like, I want you to think back to like a younger version of yourself. And I want you to ask yourself, what would that younger version of yourself think of you right now? What would she be saying? What would she, you know, what would she be proud of you? Would she be like, holy shit, like I never imagined it being there, you know? And I, she said that to me and I just started crying because I was like, 15 year old Carly would literally be in awe. Her jaw would be on the floor. She would be looking at me being like, how in the hell did you get there? How in the hell did you get to where you are today? Because 15 year old Carly was waking up every morning, you know, thinking about what she's going to wear, how she's going to look thinner, how she's going to get the attention of others, how she's going to make people laugh because she thought that that was the only way that people were, you know, hung around her was because she was funny, like all of these things. And 15 year old Carly would look at me now and be like, damn. I am so proud of you for overcoming what you overcame and for using your voice and for being loud and for taking up space. And so I'm sorry, what was the question? (laughs) What advice would you give 15 year old Carly, which I think you covered. I feel like you you did that. I would just say, keep going. Mm -hmm. Like you are loud. I was loud and I was so insecure about my loud voice. I was so insecure about my laugh and how like, just like how much space I took up And I remember like my friends being like, Carly, like, God, you're so loud. And me being like, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like I would just like shrivel up and like go hide. And and, and I would tell 15 year old Carly, like, no, be loud, take up space, use your voice, like, and understanding that 
yeah, it's really fucking hard and you're probably really struggling with your body and it's hard to navigate this in a time that you're in. But, you know, learning to love yourself and seeing yourself as this beautiful human and queen of the castle (laughs) um, will be so much more worth it in the long run. And so I think that is really I would just say, keep going, keep pushing, keep being loud. And here I am now. I try and take up as much space as I possibly can and be as loud as I can. (laughs) because I think it's just so important for us. Relatable. Your voice has become your superpower. Yeah, it has. 15-year-old Carly would be like, wow, that paid off. Like your voice is now being heard, you know, all over the place and no one's judging you. No one's making fun of you. Instead, people are like, please, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Be louder, be louder. And 15-year-old Carly would have never have, never have guessed that, ever. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Warm up. Grab yourself a cup of hot cocoa. That was amazing. What is on the Carly horizon? We'd love to hear from you on something that's, you know, you're looking forward to. Yeah. So I would say, um, so I have one more year of grad school. I'm very, very excited to be done with grad school next year um, and to finally be able to like, although I will have a lot of I still have to do like two years of hours to get my licensed clinical social worker, but um, I'm excited to, I'm excited to graduate and I'm just excited to see like where I end up after all of this, like after graduation, where do I end up? What am I doing? What does my, you know, what does my platform look like at the end of next year? And I think hopefully being able to create more workshops Right now, I just have the self-love workshop. And so hopefully being able to like create other workshops and giving more opportunities for people to learn and, and be involved in things and hopefully doing more talks, traveling and, and doing more talks uh, with COVID, hopefully coming to an end <laughs> sometime soon. Um <laughs> I don't know. I say that like very hesitantly because I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to like. Right, right. So I'm like, you know, let's just see what happens. Yeah, I want to be able to get out and do more, you know, events and stuff like that. But when that time is right, for sure. Well, my school is K to 12. So if you ever need somewhere to go, you just let me know. I will jump on that. Yes. Committee, planning committee so quick. Yes. Yeah. K through 12. Yeah. Where are you? Where do you live? I'm right outside Philly. So I, okay. uh, yeah, we have like a mini campus. It looks like a little yeah. campus that we have. So where can we find you and how can we support you? Tell us all the things. Get your paper and pens, people. Yes, yes, yes. So um, Paradise Fitness with Carly, uh, that's Instagram, the PFWC podcast. That's my podcast. Um paradisefitnesswithcarly.com. That's my website where you'll find everything um, in terms of my story, features of that I've been on, articles I've written, workshops that I host, one-on-one mentoring stuff that I do. Um, all of that's going to be on my website. And then my TikTok is also just Paradise Fitness with Carly. Um, in terms of support, I think it's just, you know, continuing to speak up against, you know, censorship, supporting creators and larger bodies, um, and being a part of helping them to get their voices out there and their posts out there and all of that stuff. Um, and if you ever have any questions about workshops or anything like that, my email is on my website. So you can always reach out for stuff regarding that. Amazing. This is, you are just such a little pleasure treasure. 
Oh, wait, I'm going to get that tattooed, tattooed as well. <laughs> Pleasure treasures and queens. Pleasure treasure and queen of this queen of this castle. Yes, they work really well together. It's like a dynamic duo. Yeah. I was thinking like queen of this castle would be like a cute like tramp stamp. I was like, well, if you do, if you do Queen of the Castle and you don't do a castle, then for Pleasure Treasure, it should be a sand castle because you love the beach. So. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. Right? Could be like a little flag on top of a sand castle that says Pleasure Treasure. Oh my God. This could go so many different directions, actually. Not that- yeah, that could be very sexual. It could be like, you know, right at the bottom of my stomach where, you know, that could be Pleasure Treasure. I actually think I'm going to reply to my, or um, like, my bits are now going to be my pleasure treasures. Yeah, who's going to refer to it as pleasure? This is my pleasure treasures. <laughs> not just, you know, whatever. Not just for me, for others, for... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit is royalty, okay? Yeah, it is royalty. <laughs> this is a castle. These are the pleasure treasures, and I am the queen of it. <laughs> I can't wait for AMQ to text me and be like, what are you doing, big? I have to go watch my pleasure treasure. I'll get right back to you. I'm washing my jewels. <laughs> just those. Just yeah, those. I got a bidet for my pleasure treasure. <laughs> we just did get a bidet, actually. Did you? Is it life-changing? It's absolutely phenomenal. Like, the amount of, like, you just feel, just cl- you just feel clean. Like, you, you just oh. always feel clean. Um, yeah, we got the tushy one and it's just such an easy like setup. You attach it to your water and then you just turn it on and off and it just gives you a nice little rinse down. Spritz. I need to try one of these. <laughs> yeah. You have never tried a bidet? No, this episode is brought to you by, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there's a, like every bidet company in the world, please just toss your bidets our way. But for real, they're amazing. They, I grew up going in Portugal, like the summers in Portugal, in Europe, they have them. It's a regular thing. And then you come back home and you're like, mm. And it's like also um, you use a lot less toilet paper. So it's like they're they're very like sustainable in terms of like you don't go through as much toilet paper for sure. Like definitely you use way less toilet paper. Wow. I enjoy it in the morning because it like whoop, it like wakes me up. Like <laughs> yes. Who needs an alarm clock when you have a bidet? I myself like sitting down on the toilet like my eyes like still half closed and I'm like okay and you turn the bidet on you're like oh okay here we go like a nice yes. cold little like spurt wake up pleasure treasure wake up yeah I feel like I would accidentally like hose myself down too much <laughs> like I would need to then like n- I need a whole ass towel like I towel? You, just, you just took a Kesha shower and now you need to just, like, you're de good. I would just get a video of, like, water all over the wall. Like, Becca would be like, well. <laughs> well, that happened when we were installing it. So that was great. My boyfriend was like, I don't think it's working. So there's, like, a part, there's, like, a tur- the knob turns. So, like, if you barely turn it, it kind of, like, releases water to, like, clean out, like, the toilet bowl. And then he was like, it's not, he's like, can you see? Like, so he like had, I'm not even kidding. This sounds like a made up story, but this is 1000% true. He's like, can you like bend down and see, like, is there anything coming out of there? So then he turned it more and it just sprayed me all over the face. (laughs) I was like, nope, it works. It works. 
So now I have to redo my makeup. My makeup's like, yeah, it's like all over my face, all over my like chest. Oh no! And I was like, this oh, is like one of those stories they tell you. Like this is this could have been a, like a bidet commercial. That could have been yeah. a real. That would have been a good real. That would have been a real. The one that's like, don't do it, honey. It's not worth it. I'm not gonna do. It. I was just thinking about. it. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> then you power wash your puss with a bidet by accident. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, I don't think anything's coming out. And I was like, well, let me look. So I bent over and then, and it's like pretty heavy. Like that's a strong stream. It's like a powerful spray. Took one for the team there, really. So I was like, shit, that's, yeah, it's working. It's working. So we're oh good now. Oh my gosh. My face hurts. Like, I don't know if my face hurts. Like I, you know what? Usually I cry. I'm going to be really honest. I am like notorious for crying every episode. <laughs> <laughs> whether happy or sad yeah but i feel like with you i was just like this nobody can see me nobody can see me but, yeah but i was just like it's a podcast those, amq it's a podcast <laughs> those kids in class that are like so enthralled like that's how i was. yeah yeah I was like yeah what's she gonna say what's she gonna say don't breathe don't breathe, don't breathe, don't breathe. <laughs> I already feel like we should name this episode Strong Streams Pleasure Treasures with Carly Compton. Yeah, Queen of the Castle, Strong Streams Pleasure Treasures with Carly Compton. <laughs> I think, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we call clickbait. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then maybe yep. we'll just put it on OnlyFans and see how much we get. <laughs> just the audio. <laughs> AMQ sometimes likes to mess up at the end and she'll be like, this is AMQ and I'm done speaking because she thinks we're on Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. <laughs> I will say that's hard. For, I'm really trying to get used to doing that, saying that little outro, but um, I always forget. But I'm never done speaking, right? So like, I, it's important. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I just press the mute button because I'm like, I will keep going. Like, I'll just, yes. I'll just mute myself. I'll be like, you know what? Exercise some some yeah strength here self-awareness oh yeah step in step out that's what we say for our groups our group uh groups that we facilitate is step in step out remember there are other people here and they need to talk as well <laughs> that's a good way of thinking about it for our i got you boo room yeah step in step out that's true. say what you need to say step out and let someone else talk mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh insert door closing noise we should just yes. implement all of our sound bites into our i got you boo room Clubhouse or like room. a buzzer yeah. like you just have a buzzer like oh time's up like the buzzer goes off i do have a club horn we could start using just be like <laughs> that's so aggressive <laughs> time's up. Time's up. she's like in the middle of like sharing her story and you just hear a club horn <laughs> sorry but your time's up <laughs> we have to stay on track oh my gosh i'll let you finish but <laughs> Kanye West the shit out of that. Yeah. Well, we would like to invite you to do our little extra with us. I would love to do your extra. All right. If anything or everything resonated with you today, we want you to head on over to literally every podcast platform out there in the podverse and subscribe, download, share. If you think that there's somebody in your life who could benefit from everything that Carly had to say and everything she taught us, please take the time and let her know. Let her know. Reach out to her on all of the lovely forms that she shared with us. And don't forget to review because we want to hear from you, Bukri. We want to hear that 
the guests we're bringing on are providing value for you. And it's super important that the humans we bring on here who are taking time out of their very, very busy lives, they want to know that too, right? So let us know, review. If you want to friggin' toss up those reviews and title them Carly is the best, bring it. Let's go. Okay. Or Queen of the Castle. Queen Queen of of the the Castle. castle. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited for these review titles. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If you have a little bit more to say that maybe, you know, can't really be done in just a review, please. We have an email for that that I surprised Becca with. You can bet your ass. I was never, I was so excited. It's hello, hello with three O's at igotyoubooppod.com. We always love to hear from you and connect with you and build our Boo Crew community. The fact I didn't twist over those words is fantastic. And as always, we tell you to reach out to us because we got you and we mean it. So we will see you next week. I got you, boo. Kitty, thanks. Love you. Bye. Yes. Oh, my gosh.